Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. Hey everybody, thanks for coming back. And just like always, if you take something away from this cast, we ask uh, you know that you share it out to, to the people that need to hear. Don't be selfish with the information. Today we're going to be talking to uh, our line corpsman in, uh, from 2010 Marja Push Circle with 3-6. His name is Anderson Hernandez. In the Marine Corps, we don't have medics. We have warfighters and we have Navy corpsmen. The warfighter generally wages the war and the Navy corpsmen keep them healthy. And should they fall, he patches them up. The Navy corpsmen are in many ways the lifeblood of the infantry line. They live, train, fight, and die beside their men. In the Navy, they're referred to as greenside corpsmen. In the infantry line, they go by brother or doc. Today's a special day because I have not seen our guest in many years, and what will follow will be an authentic conversation with Anderson Hernandez, who was 2nd Platoon's lead corpsman in the Marja Push in 2010. For his actions there, he was awarded the Navy Com with a Valor device. And his accounts are necessary for future corpsmen to hear. They can use his accounts and build tactical decision games, and we would encourage those conversations. Without further delay, Doc H, thanks for coming out. Joining us from Columbia, the beautiful backdrop of Columbia there in the background, loving it. And, uh, man, thanks for making it out. We've been talking about this for a minute, getting together and kind of laying this down. And finally got, you know, a chance with me and Matt both in the studio to be able to kind of patch you in from Columbia thanks to this beautiful technology and, um, you know, have a conversation. One of the one of the big things that we try to impress upon us, you know, with the show is, you know, giving our accounts from one of the last big pushes for the regular infantry, regular corpsmen, you know, involved in that. Um, and you know, letting guys have the information to build those games, to prep their minds and things of that nature. So, you know, cover a little bit of Marja, but I also, we also got to catch up over the last, you know, 13 years or so. So um, I look forward to the conversation, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, welcome, Doc. Thank you. Thank you both, Matt, Ryan. Thank you. It, it, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, guys. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, thanks for reaching out in the outreach absolutely like over, over the few few last weeks and and what you guys are doing is great uh i feel like uh, veterans <clears throat> like i feel like like military service members are, are, are taught greatly how to be service members but they're not taught how to be civilians again as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, totally so I agree think, i think whatever you guys do to bridge that gap is great yeah man well i appreciate that i appreciate you saying that but um yeah, well, I mean, we're going to do what we're going to do, and hopefully you guys can take advantage of it and, you know, better than we would have or better than we did with the information that we had. So um, and usually in the beginning, man, I like to get at, um, you know, where you came from. I'm writing another book, and there's certain pointed questions. I like to find out where people come from. Where does this, 
you know, American exceptionalism and this leadership come from that people possess within the armed forces in the United States. And, you know, not just the armed forces, but that's where I've seen it. You know, that's where it's impacted my life. So where did you come from? Where'd you start out at? Where'd I come from? Oh, my God. So much philosophy. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, my, my parents, they, uh, they migrated from Columbia to Boston um, when I was just eight years old. So uh, I grew up in Boston. Uh, right out of high school, I was uh, security. I was security right out of high school at a biotech. Okay. And so I, I enlisted in this, like, there was this biotech program at uh, Boston University. Uh, and, and I got to learn while being security at the place, at the pharmaceutical place. <clears throat> but, you know, I did that because I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, let me, let me just start this way, get my feet wet. But then, you know, talking to a medical student, he told me that uh, he'd been studying for like 12 years, but he never seen a patient mm. because he still was doing his residency. And, and and I thought right away, I'm like, dude, what if you don't like it? Like, mm-hmm. what if you do it and don't like it? Is that a waste so of a like, decade plus? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. So, so I thought, you know, how can I do medicine right now? And so I, I went looking for a, a marine recruiter. And the marine recruiter was like, uh, "Yeah, we don't, we don't do medicine. You know, I could put you in infantry. I put you in. No, I'm like, no, I, I want to do medicine." He's like, "Well, the Navy does." So I, I stepped out. I, yes. I joined right away. Uh, though I didn't think I was gonna go with the Marines because the recruiter told me that it was like an optional thing, like, like it was a C school, right? Mm. And and. And so, and so I, when I went in, I thought, oh, I'm going to go to a hospital and, and get to try medicine while going to school. Right. You know, that was like the kicker. And, uh, and, then, and then Obama comes on and uh, says we're all going to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that Doc Damn H it. and Doc Fowler were both not pleased about yeah, that. <laughs> that wasn't the thing they had in mind. <laughs> yeah, so, so at that point, it, it became non-option. Uh, Almost every corpsman that was coming in was going straight to FMTV uh, to, to go greenside, right? Explain uh, that. What's FMTV? Sure, sure. So it's uh, Fleet Marine Training Battalion, I think. Uh, field Med. Field Med. Field Med Training Battalion. Oh, my God. I've been, I've been away for too long. long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, explain more like what is Field Med Training Battalion? Sure, sure. What are you doing there? So, sure. So it's a it's a C school uh, designed to uh, develop corpsmen, uh, uh, develop their skills further in the field, uh, in combat settings. Uh, it, the the corpsman is very is very well trained. I mean, from 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 the get go, from A school. Mm. Um, however, um, in the in in, in FMTB, what they really get is that green side exposure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So every every class is paired with a uh, platoon sergeant, who is usually a staff sergeant, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. also very seasoned and salty, like you guys say, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and so they get exposed to that right away, that mm-hmm. infantry uh, culture and mindset. Yeah, exactly. And so and, and that's really what turns then the the average corpsman into the field net corpsman or the green side. Right. Uh, and it's just like another boot camp uh, with more schooling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and 
people are probably criticizing me when I say boot camp because you know Navy's boot camp, right? But, but but you know it's 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 harder than your regular. I'm not uh, taking nothing away. I've never been there. I can't judge. <laughs> and you spend enough time with the Marine Corps, you might as well be one. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, I don't see you as different I mean, <laughs> at all. You guys is definitely tough. Yeah, yeah. I'll now, that. now say so. Let's go back. Uh, so, where are you coming from? Where are you born? So, I was born in Colombia, oh. Medellin, Colombia. And uh, at eight years of age, my parents migrated to Boston. Okay. So I was eight in thirty-three now. So you can do the math. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in Boston. I went to East Boston High School, actually. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, graduated class in two thousand seven. Seven. 2007 and then i went to boston university 2008 under that program right biotech right yeah and that's that's when i joined i joined in 2008 so june 2008 i got to uh chicago here uh where uh great lakes is was training it was scary man i mean it was like uh, it was like a switch right like i was like a civilian i was man i was a brat uh, rebel just grew up in the city, like you know, like, <laughs> and I show up in this place, and uh, and and it was a petty officer, and uh, I'm at the airport. The petty officer greets me. He 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 asks for my orders. You know, he confirms it's me. He's like, "Are you hungry? You know, are you okay? Did you sleep well?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. Uh, I am hungry." He's like, "Ah, right, go go eat some pizza. There's great pizza over there." So I go get the pizza. Come back. You good? You're full. <laughs> Time to work. Bitch. <laughs> oh my god! Like I, I've never been treated in that way or seen anyone treated that way. Yeah. So to me, it was like, wow, what did I do? Where Culture I shock. Oh man. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, and then from there, you get to break your legs. Uh, and the first thing I, I think you do is like a urinalysis. And and even that is super scary because it's just people <laughs> watching. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. But, yeah, yeah, and that was my welcoming right to the whole military. Now, what would you say your catalyst was uh, for service? Was it the medicine that you could do medicine, some sort of medicine right now? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Check. Yeah, and I, I've always been a competitor, mm-hmm. so I, I was uh, the whole uh, being challenged to do physical things wasn't a, you know, like an obstacle for me. I saw it as a challenge, like mm-hmm. a morning challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check. Yeah, man. Check. So you come out of uh, boot camp, and then you you said you went straight into uh, FMTB. No, no. So from from boot camp, I went to A school. Still oh. in Great Lakes. Okay, okay, and okay. And then A school, uh, I want to say it was like I don't remember. Um, so that's a corpsman school, right? Yep. And from there, I got orders to FMTB. Check. But before getting to FMTB. I had a like intermittent orders because my class wasn't ready, mm-hmm. so I got to go to uh, one eight, I think, or one nine. The Walking Dead. Which one nine, ninth, yeah. One nine. <laughs> so I got to go to them, and it was crazy because I still had no FMTB experience, <clears throat> like nothing. It was mm-hmm. just blue side forming. Go to one eight or one nine. I'm sorry, one nine. Yeah. And uh, and in my first day there at the BAS. A staff sergeant runs in with a Marine, grabbing him by the wrist, because he just, like, cut his wrist open. And he, like, throws the Marine at us. And he's like, hey, can someone take care of this little bitch or punk or something? something?" (laughs) Oh, no. And just walks out. 
<laughs> and that was my like, hey, welcome. <laughs> By the way, my first case. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's bad. So my impression of Marine at that time was like terrible. crazy. Yeah. Well then. Then he got to meet Big Whiskey. So, so I mean, what do you OJT for just a couple months until school opens up and then you go to school? Exactly. Okay. Okay. And, and it's obvious because we're wearing the blue camis, or, or back then it was the blue suit. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. everybody's just, you know, we just stick out, right? And, yeah. And we yeah. don't know anybody, so. Yeah. We're like less than boys. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. <laughs> just fresh ones. Yeah. So okay, so take me how take me through how you arrived at three six and when. Is that straight out of FMTB? You got new orders. That's right. That's okay. right. Okay. So if an, an FMTB, once you graduate, once you find out you're graduating from the class, they tell you where you're going, right? Uh, but your orders already say if you're going second marine division or second marine logistics or wing or something. So I already knew I was going to division. I just didn't know what infantry battalion. You're going to land at, right. <laughs> so, so you graduate, and then the chiefs, the Navy chiefs of each battalion comes out to, to meet you uh, and say, hey, you're going to this battalion. Uh, and usually they, they, they coordinate some sort of effort where, like, a petty officer comes and greets you. <clears throat> so that's how I got to 3-6. Uh, was, was, I graduated from TB. I got to 3-6, and uh, I, I still wasn't with Kilo. I think uh, they, they take us with... Um, headquarters for a little bit mm-hmm. BAS, make sure we're like uh good to go and and then and then kilo so senior line corpsman senior line corpsman is like the corpsman who who's like in charge of the other corpsman with mm-hmm. the right mm-hmm. and so i think at the time i forgot who at the time but the senior line corpsman basically comes in tells me at the bas it's like hey you're going kilo second platoon uh let's go meet and I'm like, okay, let's, let's do that, right? So we go out to, to outside of the barracks, right, where you guys usually meet half formation. Um, and then the Marines, I think uh, the senior line corpsman goes, hey, second platoon, blah, blah, this is your new corpsman. And the first thing they, all they did was laugh. They all <laughs> laughed. <laughs> and, and and they just like they wanted to play jokes and stuff, which whatever. And then and then one of them goes, hey, "Go get your gear. Aren't you going on the training tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't even have. <laughs> so so I, I had to go home and get my gear because we left that night to uh, I think Camp Dawson, okay, uh, in West Virginia. Okay. Oh, that's Virginia. when you came to the compl- platoon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Worst field up like, I've ever had. No. <laughs> <laughs> Three days mountain training, right? Yep. You gotta keep on, oh man, it's, it was the worst. I think I lost like 10, 15 pounds that week. <laughs> Get after <laughs> it. And I lost my bayonet. So we had oh. to look for it. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear this. I wasn't to the. I wasn't to the platoon yet. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I I woke up and. And I'm doing like my little PI to make sure I have everything. But I couldn't find a bayonet, man. Um, so I start freaking out and I don't know anybody. So I'm like, I do remember this now. If I tell someone with rank, I'm going to get blasted. <laughs> 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 so I, didn't know, I, think I, told, I told Bubba. 
<laughs> oh, that's oh, a good that, choice. Yeah, that's the greatest choice right there. Yeah, I was like, hey man, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see my bayonet. You seen a bayonet? He's like, no. I'm like, yo, what happens if I lose it? Like, is it okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see him laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> 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 I can see him too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, Bubba's name comes up a lot. Like, no matter who you talk to from the platoon, somebody has a cre- either he's pulling swallows out of his pocket or walking through my feet. Awesome. Who was it the other night? Was it Fro? Fro. Fro he, did it, he said it on his episode too. Oh, yeah, I'm Fro's episode. He's like, he's like, yeah, the day Hanson died. They opened up on us, and there was there was fire everywhere. And he's like, "Me and Wazort get down, and we're in that like little irrigation ditch." And he's like, "There are rounds popping everywhere, popping the dirt, you know, going over our heads." He's like, "Me and uh, me and Wazort start yelling at at Bubba, like, hey, you fucking idiot, take some cover, you know, get over here.'" And they're like, he just picks up and with his saw just walks by us and strolls by us nice and slow. And when he gets by us, he looks down and is like, fucking pussies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, There's always a story oh, about man. Bubba. Okay, okay. so what happens with the K-Bar? Wow. Yeah, man. So so I think he just like told like some other Marines around. And I think we just looked around it. And then what, like right when we were about to tell somebody else, we found that it was under my poncho line. Of course it was. You know, grab the dude. Oh, man, but I've never been so scared. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that was my introduction to Kilo. Yeah, that's a a hell of an introduction and a hell of a field op to come in on. Oh, so Staff Sergeant Wright wasn't there yet. He was still in... uh... I don't know. One small unit leaders? Small unit leaders, I think, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. He wasn't there when I checked in either. <clears throat> well, he went to a lot of schools. Yeah, him and E-Man were gone. I think E-Man was So you didn't leaders. have to... Che- so you checked in with... with uh, well, I guess you're... At that point, you're more controlled by the senior line corpsman anyways. You're just kind of there. No, no, at that point, I was like totally embedded with second. Oh, okay, okay. I remember because... Uh, Creel and Kelk, Taylor. probably. You guys remember Taylor? Yep. Remember Taylor? He, yep. He was my uh, team leader. And uh, that wasn't a good thing. Because, oh, I dude. My introduction to Kilo was uh, Stassen Wright called. So Stassen Wright was there. He called formation. And Taylor, and I was standing in formation. I, like, I just stood there. And Taylor came up to me. He's like, hey, dude, you're on my spot. And I, I didn't know anything. So I just like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm just in the field. What do you mean? <laughs> like, you know, that's my spot. <laughs> this, there, there's, we have Yo, designated I'm areas to stand. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, oh, man, I saw his eyes open up. And, and that's when, like, Staff Sergeant Wright came in. And so, during that field-off, <laughs> Taylor was like, like, oh, he treated me like shit, dude. Like, he didn't even know me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was terrible. I love it. That's a good welcome. That's where the bond yeah, yeah. starts. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, yeah. He said thank you. <laughs> it's all these memories, man, but, like, they're all, like, smashed together. Uh, yeah, dude. Time does that shit. You know, all right. So you meet the platoon, and then you know, kind of, kind of walk me through what it's like to be the junior corpsman coming in, like ch- trying to OJT. I mean, you got your 
field med time and stuff like that, but then actually being inundated into the culture, you know, of the infantry line, you know, kind of speak on that a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, well, like I said, it was, it was pretty scary when I, when I know that feel right. Uh, because there was all these rules that I just didn't like, you know, quite understand, right? Like, uh, like don't lose your pain, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, big issue. <laughs> So um, I think, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there's like a standard that no one talks about, right, that you got to meet. And, and people are, and everyone's looking, right? Like Marines are definitely looking. Because uh, you guys are competitors. Like, and I should, you guys want to wanna be the best. And so I think that so long as someone meets that standard, and that standard can be defined like physical and in culture wise like does he fit in with culture or not or uh but 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 above all you guys you guys like you value physical like this guy can can go out and put out like five miles ability physical ability (laughs) yeah definitely definitely that's definitely up there and and so and so i think i think for me because i like doing the physical thing it was like almost like natural Mm, mm-hmm. um, but it was a lot of criticism like like I remember one time I had a, a salty marine come and say hey are you going to be able to save me or something like that and he was drunk and, and I just walked by him and he was like he pushed me he, he, he meant me but I think I think that's not talked about really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but there's that hey is he going to do his job mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's a that's a that's a, I mean think about it this is the this is um you know, you drop you drop into a platoon of meat eaters that are on the verge of going on a serious invasion, and maybe they don't know that yet, but that's the way they're supposed to train anyway. And then it's like this is your lifeline whenever you get jammed up. And you know, if you look at your lifeline, like, can this dude carry me? Can he run with us? Is he gonna make it? Is he gonna beat the heat? Oh yeah, and by the way, I hope he's trained good, and we need to train him good. And so I think I think there's you know that's that's natural, and then you know and we'll speak on it a little bit later, but you know, post July 2010, low well, I would even say post February 2010, the relationship that you had with the platoon was much much different. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. And it, so it, some it, of that's well, just that absolutely. some of that that is that sleepover test, you know, like uh, or the layover test. Like, is this guy gonna? Is he like us? That's the cultural side of things. But then there's like the proficiency test. Can he do what he's supposed to do? And, you know, that's where training comes in and being immersed with the actual platoons comes in because that inundates you in culture and all the training we do. If you're doing all the same training, then that makes us feel more comfortable. Like, yeah, he can. He, he, he's out there with us every day. You know, he beat he, he's beaten the PFCs and the Lance Corporals at most of the shit. You know, when you start to see that, then that builds that trust. Like, yeah, at least he'll be there. Uh, and then it comes down to proficiency. So... Um, it's with good reason. I, I agree. For sure. For sure. You know, I think, I think that's right. I think it's, you know, by design and it should be that way. Um, cause you got to trust, you have to have trust in the situation you go into downrange. So, um, okay. And then, so at this point you don't have, um, John Fowler yet, right? Mm-hmm. You came much before him, right? I think, later. I think we had a couple months later. Solar at that point. You never met solar. Okay. That's right. That's right. And, um, I, I, Cax, did he, did he go to? Yes, he went to Cax. He was my roommate at one point. Solar was. 
Um, he went to CACs, but I think like maybe a week or maybe a month after CACs, he he le- he got out. Well, you know, we had that mass exodus once the deployment changed. Yeah. And we don't have to go too far into it. It was just like people thought they were doing a float. It's like, yeah, I'll stick around for a float. And then that changed to, you know, a very highly kinetic deployment, even from the beginning they thought it would be. And, you know, with people saying either I want to extend or I want to re-enlist or whatever, and some people decided to go. And when that happened, we get like a, you know, a boot drop of the bees, you know, to plus our numbers up and um i came over to the second to plus numbers up so it was a weird um it was a weird little little change out right there before leaving also i think i think we might have got doc fowler which i've said his name enough shout out doc shout out and (laughs) we got him i think we had three corpsmen at one point in the platoon we had one for each squad like it's probably supposed to be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh uh, full Yep. And Feliciano, too. But we deployed with Feliciano, I'm pretty sure. Shout out. Oh, yeah. Our corpsmen were all lines in that deployment. Yeah. So, okay, so talk to me about, like, your emotions going into, um, okay, you're, you've been accepted, you're out there training, you know, there's games going on, but you're moving along. And then, you know, going from booze cruise to, hey, lace up, we're going home, and we got a real one, like, like what's on your mind? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah. it was tough. The whole, the whole, the whole transition was tough, especially because I was fighting. Yeah, I felt like, why I didn't opt to be here? Uh, why am I here? Right? I, I, I couldn't come out of that state of mind. So it made made things tougher on my end. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I think, um, I think it was after, you know. That we really started a bond and, and 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 just respect each other. It was a lot of respect. Like we saw what we did out there, and and, and I think that 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 really put things like, okay, we're gonna go we'll do this thing together. All right, let's go do this thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was an awesome experience because it was so radical, man. Like it was crazy. Like who does this thing. So, that we did right mm. like never be this cool again <laughs> <laughs> never be this cool like, again <laughs> and, and so and so that point of view was like amazing i was loving every single bit of it uh but then there was like the rebel side me, like oh man i didn't have to be here like it was that 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 was still like uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i think it was it was that's right in the leadership thing um i i think the leadership was great uh right and i in one of our trainings um, we talked, we discussed, and he, he understood why I joined him, and I wanted to be more medically inclined in case I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And and so there was like this, like, hey, man, you do your thing, there's no issues. I won't bother you extra, the thing, whatever you need to do. Like, you do your thing. And so that mutual understanding was, like, uh, very free. Mm-hmm. I felt free. Mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, yeah, I could be me. I could just do this thing mm-hmm, and i think mm-hmm. that's when i really started feeling like all right i'm part of this group and we're gonna go do this thing together mm-hmm. um and i mean getting to monats i don't know if you guys remember walking off the plane and there was like snow coming down oh dude how awesome was that man <laughs> like i think about that scene in my mind i'm like yeah it's like from a movie that was so we did a lot of stuff. that was wild dude it was cold though that's the part i remember about it not being able to have my hoodie or my beanie on till uh 
You remember that? We're all like in a heating circle or something. And uh, yep. first sergeant comes out. Nobody's got any warming layers on. He comes out. He's got his like OR gloves on. He's got his beanie on, a hoodie, like a fleece hanging out. And everybody's just like, this motherfucker. Right? <laughs> and then he looks at us. He's like, what, you idiots? It's cold out. And And then like garments started coming out of the woodwork you seen gloves and hoodies and motherfuckers pulling full happy suits out of their cargo pocket somehow it's like what's going on around here dude first certain did it yeah so yeah that was a wild time dude and then it's like that hurry up and wait okay we're here we're amped we're amped we're amped go to cherry point it's from the very beginning bro we didn't even leave when we were supposed to leave cherry point Mm-hmm. Remember that having to stay the night there because something got jacked up with our flight. So we're sleep the night the last night on American soil. You had to sleep on. Probably just piss us off mostly. I don't know. Like who knows? Probably like some plane. You know how to get. No. You know, who knows? I don't There's know. Probably nothing wrong with the plane. They were probably just like, well, at least we're here. Hurry up and wait. And like, yeah, thought this would be faster. Sorry, boys. Go to sleep here on your last night on American soil. Yeah, that was dope. So it kind of started there and then. Just kept on coming. Like the night we were supposed to invade, we don't invade a bus wrecks or that's what they say. Right? Yeah. It was, I was shocked by how much downtime we had. Shit ton. Before. Right? You, you mean, you mean like, yeah, like post leaving here, but pre invading? Yeah. Dude, so much. Yeah. yeah. You know, right? I think part of that was because of the company we were in though. We were the assault. We were Hilo. So Lima, India, CIA, ATF, all the other elements, and then and then the Afghan elements were shaping at that time for the invasion. So it's like train, train, wake up, train, 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 eat lunch, train, train, train. It's like only so much you can do. And then they gave us a range, which was dope. The range, the range before we pushed was dope. So we got to go condition one. (laughs) <laughs> in the country in the country yeah yeah and we you know we did those ranges we killed them popped everybody's cherry kind of gave every everybody that okay like like it's, it's we can do this you know because we also operated the first that range was the first time we op- operated with a and a and everybody's kind of tripped out on how they were going to do and we were like yeah it's pretty good all right so let's uh, let's get into the invasion we're kind of set the stage there um but i want to know I want to know emotions, uh, feelings, what you remember. Um, we started like the early morning of the 13th, like when we make our way to the tarmac, let's say, and who you were invading with, Johnson's squad, right? No, I, I think for after the helos. Oh, you mean after that, right? No, like like, we, like who'd you helo in with? Uh, I was with Staff Sergeant Wright. Are you with so me then? I don't know. Then I was with you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was at the tail end of the line. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you came into the flooded poppy field with me then? Yep. Yep. I was, uh, Lieutenant Manny was like right after me. Okay. Yep. Check. That's something that slipped because my mind. I got hurt. Remember, uh, like when the door opened, he hit his head. He was bleeding. Who? Like the elder guy that was in the house. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. 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 I, I treated him. Yep. No, I just it, I just couldn't remember that. I didn't remember because I figured Fowler would would, be, would have been with my chalk, but being that we had three, we had Corman with everybody's chalk, so it didn't matter. Right, right. I but Doc H always stayed with Big Whiskey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So whatever Corman was there would then switch off with me. Right. Gotcha. Check. 
So, okay. Yeah. So let's get into that. Let's get into, we're making our way out to the tarmac and go. Uh, so like the first thing I remember is like, like jumping off the ELO, like it was just mud everywhere. Right? And, uh, mm-hmm. People were just yelling and, uh, you know, it was, it was just, I think it was a chaotic situation, but we were, we knew we've tracked so much. Like we, we knew what to do. Um, but you know, it was comical how they thought the A and A commanders were like other fighters. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it called in by Cobra Cobra. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean the air called it in, but it was like, yeah, that, that was almost a real big mistake in minute two. Yeah, yeah. So we'd had a mask has. It's scary. So, so I come out the helo. I started walking. My legs are shaking so much, man. But I'm not scared. I'm just very, very anxious. Like, what's about to happen? Um, and my legs are shaking. I, I fall. Uh, and I remember Lieutenant Manny, like, like he's right behind me. He's like, is that you, dog? I'm like, yeah, that's me. So I get on my knee. I went to helo's lead. And then we, we started walking in one line. Um, then I remember dogs barking. There was like dogs barking from the house, maybe. Um, and there was there was like a back door to it. Hmm. So because I I was one of the last persons, I just stayed behind and just watched the door. I figured, why am I gonna come in? Like, what am I gonna? I'm just gonna probably be in the way. Let me just hang out here. Right. Dogs. <laughs> Let the Marines do the thing, you know. And that was pretty much how how, how the whole deployment went. I mean, it wasn't until I felt like, okay, I need to do something that I, that I didn't act it. Because I didn't know what you guys were doing. You know, I'm, I'm not a Marine. <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close, in my opinion. No, it did kind of go like that, though. I mean, um, the, it was a traditional deployment where you had a real job to keep people alive. Um, and uh, and the Marines had a real job to people keep people dead. So... Uh, you let them do their jobs, and then when we got hurt, you helped people. And you helped Afghan forces as well, and even triaged um, some bad guys uh, along the way. So And civilians, yeah. So it's um, – now, you had – you guys were busy. It wasn't a whole lot of time for you to be kicking indoors anyway, uh, and you're not the one that should be doing it. We lose you, then we lose a lifeline, right? So that's just the right. way that we work. Um, right. Unless the – like, circumstances dictate is how I saw it, right? Like, if it was just – a team and I'm with the team then no shoot every gun matters right? yeah yep but if I but if I'm with the whole platoon fuck am I doing on my front line like no <laughs> yeah 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 you in the wrong spot that's what you're doing <laughs> somebody somebody messed up so um so you, uh, let's say we we came into the field and you know I've kind of beat this one to death I'm gonna gloss over it but after we got cleared from the mud, we made it to a foothold building, and then the sun came up. That's when the first contact started. Do you remember much about that time? Yeah, yeah. How much? How much? And by the way, when you're asking me this, like, how much detail? How much step? How much step by step do you want? You, you want I want you to tell it how you want to tell it. I think the the yeah, more yeah. details is better if somebody's trying to set up a TDG after though. You know, it, I remember. So we walked up to the house i remember it was really fucking dark mm-hmm. and it was like cobra circling the sky and shooting lasers which was freaking fucking badass yeah that we could see with our mbgs um and then we got up to the house the dogs barking we got in and, and i treated like my first casualty right this was the older guy um lieutenant manu asked me you know how's he doing um 
and I, I you know i'm trying to talk to tank i think was the interpreter mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. little bitty guy, guy. yeah yep. <laughs> and then uh oh man i got a story with him <laughs> anyway so so i'm treating the guy and he's got like a gush on his forehead and he's like bleeding pretty pretty bad uh, i think what happened was he was trying to answer the door and the door came in slightly said um so i'm trying to patch the wound and you know they're asking me if, if he needed to be mad about it. i'm like no you know you'll be all right so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, we stay there for a couple hours we left we walked through this really fucking long way and canals and shit we're wearing all this fucking gear <laughs> oh my god that was terrible why you guys always choose the worst path <laughs> <laughs> you know fucking wrote that a straight line like, <laughs> look 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 there's more to that okay yeah, yeah. that was the that was the lesser of two evils that day so like walk Thank through walk, walk through a minefield or try to jump up we value because you know it, it, it was it was tough times and i think uh you know we did we did good things and and, and and many of us came back so whatever you guys were deciding good on the leadership man well that specific one is just so so like such a hot topic because of the leadership of e-man in that time like there was a shitty situation it was a suspected minefield or travel south and then make a crossing of, on this 12 foot deep rushing canal hoping that all of those buildings to our right don't open up i mean just just pure shitty situation and, you know and when you're in that you really have to level it out you know take advice from as many different angles as you can and then make a you know your best educated decision on what will make the most sense and, and keep the most damage to your element down and i just remember being in the gp10 i think i was kicking it with you know, you and Jesse, you know, we were laying down, cleaning weapons, whatever the case. And it's like, hey, squad leaders up to, you know, LT's hooch, you know, staff sergeant was calling us. You know, so we get up there and it's like, you know, E-man and staff sergeant, right? We're sitting there, you know, around the, you know, around the map, basically, on uh, on the little bunk. And E-man just brought all three of, you know, me, and JT in. He sat us down and he's like, hey, I want, I want to talk about this openly. I want to openly discuss pros and cons of A, COA A, COA B, you know. And, you know, whatever, you know, whatever happened at that table happened. And then we slapped the table and it was everybody in on one decision, like MCDP one, all, you know, all options are available and all uh, critiques are recommended until the table slapped, you know, and not everybody at that table agreed on the same COA. It's a fact. But once the table was slapped, everybody was set you know and and Accepted so right and so that the only reason i bring it up is that specific situation even though you know mm. ranger filing in a wide open desert um with little to no cover seemed like a bad idea the other option was patrol down cross a you know a hell of a, a of a jump or a, a piece of water hope that nothing happens and we don't know the security posture of any of these houses but they had ieds in them you know, so it's like, you, you know, and you're going to have that. You get, in the, you get into a, a kinetic situation in a conflict, you know, these Marines that are out here now. Like, you can only, it may sound cliche, like, <laughs> it will sound cliche, but you, it's always going to be what you didn't expect. It's always can be worse than what you practice for, you know, and... uh it's cliche because it's true. Cliche because it's true. I mean, we TDG'd the hell out of everything and every COA that we could do, and then it turned out that Ranger filing through the minefield ended up working. Turns out it wasn't a minefield, right? So, but 
The, well, yeah, borderline. There's <laughs> definitely some minds in it. 50-50. Yeah, 50-50. Uh, but yeah, that was a wild time. So then we get, you know, linked back up at the CP. You know, we get a little bit of rest, I think, that night for some people, some maybe not. And then pick it up from there. Yeah. Oh, also, I want to talk about, like, what is, you're, you're the senior corpsman in our platoon. You had a couple other corpsmen, a couple other personalities that you're looking out for. How's that? How was that working in the beginning, you know, when things were, you know, initial one day? Yeah, yeah. So, like, in the beginning, it was really, we, we didn't know what, what to expect, right? So, because of that, it was really just whatever anyone needed, if we had a weak supply. So, so that was our supply line. So, like, if I have something, follow my need here you need it right check and then i go resupply from <clears throat> scene line corman who at the time i think was rios mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, then yep. level. and then if he has it he will supply me mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was like a down effect uh in terms of supply right in terms of uh just really supervision they didn't need any they, they were well trained so they knew what to do what about um, emotionally it, yeah yeah it was a uh, it was a lot of checking house things back uh, I think uh, things back home was like a big deal for everyone, not just the corner. Um, if, if that was all right, then then you're more likely to be okay. So it was it was checking how things at home, you know, everything all right. And you know, there was probably like a new one's like, oh, I need a call, I need a call home. Okay, so setting that up, call yep. going through reels and, and getting cheap. Um, <clears throat> but really, they they were they were awesome. I mean, they they didn't need any sort of managing uh they 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 bonded well with the marines um what was interesting to me is to see um and we're not gonna we're not gonna take a deep dive here i'd rather do it with him but it was interesting for me to watch the evolution of doc fowler yep because in the beginning i saw that young go you know go-getter i'm not gonna say not a go-getter but that young dude that ended up in a place that he was Definitely uncertain about his decisions. Definitely, you know, struggling maybe with the certainty of his decisions and the gravity of his decisions. And that's how it started. I mean, and it ended with this dude on every freaking patrol with me, holding rear six sometimes, firing off at at, at the enemy, you know, treating the wounded, triaging the, you know, civilian and enemy casualties and just being a fucking lion. Yep. And, you know, we got to watch a lot of that on that deployment. Everybody got to watch a lot of that. But shout out to John Fowler. I've tried to get up with him. If you see this, get up with me because um, he was a beast. <laughs> and it was it was crazy. You've seen it with the bees, too, right? Oh, of course. So you see these guys come straight out of SOI and and they're just scared to death. But then just turn into this completely different thing, you know, along the way. That was a beautiful thing. So, well, yeah, my, the, uh, yeah. The day I took over second uh, second squad second section, you gave me Fowler, Grimes, and Brady, and that was my section. And then A and A and Ancop or however many right, there right. were of those. And I looked at Doc and I was like, "Looks like you're a Marine now, Doc, because I don't need your skills. I need you to be a shooter. Yeah, we need you. <laughs> we need your gun in the fight. Cause, you remember well, how to do ECPs, Doc? Because that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> things were different there." Um, yeah, big battle space. And look, he manned up, and he took, and he was running an ACP with either Grimes or Brady. No, he was tough, dude. Tough as woodpecker so, lips for sure. I mean, you too, Doc. All y'all. He was, he was awesome. He, 
He really was awesome. And he, but, and he was a he was friend. He was a friend, you know. He was, yep. He was great. Man. I I loved him. He he gave me some comedic relief too along the way. Oh, definitely. So chill. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time. One time we're patrolling and we come up on this. I don't know, man, like 10, 15, 20 acre field of marijuana. And I mean, these stocks. <laughs> these stocks are like head high and the buds are like hanging down. And, <coughs> and Wetzel was my point, man. And we had smelled it in the air the first time we got out, out east. Doc of, smelled it a long hate. time before y'all smelled it. I can guarantee that because he was standing <laughs> next to me. Yeah, out <laughs> east of Hanson. And so, like, I see, like, the Marines, like, nose go to the air. And I'm like, just follow your nose, Wetzel. Let's see what this is about. <laughs> so we come up over this hill, you know, and it's like Emerald City. Boom. And uh, Doc was, like, up there in that team, Fowler. He's, like, up there in that team. And he hits his knees. <laughs> he hits his knees and he's like, my next wish is for a dump truck full of rolling papers. <laughs> and everybody loses their shit, right? I was like, oh, my God. Um, Fowler was hilarious, man. Great corpsman, you know, and, and just a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing to watch the evolution of you, Fowler, all of them. But Fowler almost more to me because he was so fresh when he came into us and not sure, you know, going to do his best go-getter. But, man, we are in a shitty situation for your first go-around. Him and the bees. And, yeah. So did he come to you much for, for support or was he just got it? It was it was a, it was a more friend, friend to friend. It was mm -hmm. never really had that hierarchy. Mm -hmm, In mm -hmm. fact, we were both the same rank. So, you know. I know, time, but like people that are same rank as me that done something before or even done it a little longer than me, I'm probably going to him like, hey, dude, what, what, what do we do? You're like, what's going on? I think I think I was his corner. Mm -hmm. And I think he was my corner. And and so so whenever I had issues, I would go to him. Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. he would come to me. And that's just ge very general in, in, among corpsmen. But because we were right there next to each other, sure. you know, it was just so easy. And he's just such a chill person. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and, and I, he never complained. I remember that. He never complained. He always had a positive outlook uh, on, it, on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he did complain, it was, it was just comical. It was, yeah. it was his way of like <laughs> his vent, shit, his right? venting release. Yeah, <laughs> the caduce. We vented about a caduce one day mm -hmm. in, a, in a GP tent. Fucking hilarious. Hey, lions, man. Lions. I, I got a question for you, Doc. Because like I, I know y'all get taught how to put like Sam splints and chest compress. Uh, Sam splint. Uh, what do they call those things? For needle thoracicus. Needle thoracicus, and all that stuff. You know, learn how to do all of it. Do they teach you in uh, field med battalion or field? What is it? Field med? FMTB field med. Yeah. Do they field teach med. you how to yes. kind of gauge the psychology or the the psychological, the mental state of a marine as well? Do they kind of give you a little lowdown on that? Mm. Huh. Interesting. Oh. Or is that something you just did as just yeah. like it wasn't taught though, right? Like at an educational level from a from an instructor, they didn't teach you like uh, warning signs to look out for or, or things yeah, of that for I mean, mental trauma. There's a lot of cliches and stuff like that, right? Uh, I think that uh, the fact that there's a, a salty marine is usually infantry is embedded with that platoon of corpsmen that is training. I think that's their way of doing it. Um, 
But aside from that, it's we do get a lot of like high intensity training uh, that's like combat casualty training. So there's like in, in FMTB, they, they have this great facility where, uh, and, and it's part of our, our like, I, I don't know what you call it, like, like part of our exam to like graduate from the school. And uh, we have to pass, right? And essentially you start from the beginning of the facility where you're basically, uh, <clears throat> from the get-go, you're crawling. So you're, you're crawling. I've been in that facility. It's wicked, wicked awesome. Like you talking right. about with the strobe lights and the noise and the smoke machines and all that. Exactly. That's wild. And some, some people take it like, you know, depending on the instructor, may have like a bucket of like pretend blood. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'll just probably dump it on the corner. Throw it on the wall, right? But the best, best training for Corman is at CATS. I mean, there that you have uh, amputees that play the roles of yep. amputees during uh, uh, some explosion. And and there, if the Corman fails the course, he gets dropped the ball, at least back then, a bucket of red paint on him. You know, to signify, like, hey, dude, it's serious, right? Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think when it will red paint, is, it sends a very strong message. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's but interesting yeah. that. It's interesting to me how many people are coming out with these um, traumatic brain injuries. You know, I suffered from a traumatic brain injury from over there from some 82s and to come out afterwards and start having seizures and start having these neurological issues. That's something that I think, you know, has more light on it now than maybe ever. But it's almost like, you know, every college team and professional team, football team and otherwise uh, that have, you know, high propensities for head injuries. They have the, uh, you know, this concussion protocol to ensure this person should or should not take another blow today or tomorrow, next week, six months. And it's like, I don't know what it, yeah, like, I don't know what it would require, uh, but I feel like we could train even like the RAS senior lines or senior corpsmen. And it's like, hey, when this truck gets blown up, you're going into a concussion protocol. And I understand, like, that's going to take away from the force. And what if all of them have, the, you know, a pretty bad TBI and they shouldn't be back out? Then what do you do? You know, then it's combat replacements coming in or, you know, whatever. And I know it poses an issue, but is it, it, it seems to me that we could have that very easily embedded within the, within the uh, medical staffing of, like, an infantry line. And if we can have it and we can test it, um, like, why wouldn't we? And the only answer to me is that, well, we would lose too many people because there's too many head injuries. Or money. Um, yeah, I don't think it's money, though. It's just so hard to get it right. It's so hard to get it right. And I can see, like, that's a way for Marines that don't want to be in the front line to get out. How do you prevent that while still get to the people that need the care? Yeah, I don't think you prevent it. My... my, my my worry, my worry is that somebody like myself or Matt or Joey um, had head trauma time and time and time again. And it's like, yeah, you might have had a concussion. That's all right. You shake it off. You drink some water, eat some ibuprofen. You go about your business. And then you, have, then you get maybe a, a, an ID debt or an 82 debt on you or something of that nature. And then what? Then, then you've had all these explosions or all these you know, things to your brain. Uh, that have gone on un- unchecked, unnoted, un- unmonitored, nowhere in your service, you know, record, and then you wonder why you start having seizures or guys start, you know, having brain issues at an early age. And it's like, I I would estimate that that's one of our biggest um, killers. Not you know, and I'm no doctor, but it's one of the biggest things that I hear from the veteran community and reasons why people struggle so bad is the 
they've been blown up and there's inflammation on their brains and it's causing, you know, memory loss or it's causing, um, you know, borderline dementia, you know, seizures, neurological issues, these things. And so I kind of beat it to death, I guess, but I just feel like that's something that we could train very easily our corpsmen to look out for and then implement after incident. I mean, we, we do have that, but I mean, we we check alert and oriented times three. We, we, you know, we do that. We we check for for signals, right? Things we could actually see, like signs, right? We we check the eyes, the pupils. Uh, we could check if there's uh, any fluids come out the ears. Uh, you know, but this this will be from much more serious injuries, right? But it, you're talking about like an aggregate of these injuries. Yeah. How do we prevent those things, right? Like, can we look for signs of those things? That's what I'm and saying. Like, how hard would it be to teach our senior <clears throat> line corpsmen or even the regimental line? Like, hey, I had a dude that got, you know, his buffalo, you know, his mind roller took the blow. But, you know, the dude's been puking or, you know, can't get his eyes right or he's saying that he's having trouble. Um, now, I know that once we note things, here's my here's my bone. Here's my bone. Anybody can come up to the to the corpsman and be like, hey, I'm having trouble. And they should. But when you have somebody in a situation where they know that if they say something, they get pulled for the, from their element or they're going to never come back to their squad or name your name, your million reasons why you wouldn't want people to know that you were hurt. It's those people that still should be in a mandatory protocol. Hey, we have to check you. I'm sorry, but we have to check you because it's not like you're not going to notice. Oh, I can't go back out. You're just going to notice that maybe you're a little bit dizzy once in a while and you just keep getting nauseous and, you know, you're catching a migraine once a week when that never happened. But you could still go out and operate, right? And what you don't know is the lasting long-term damage that's already happened and then everything after that is going to continue to damage and damage and damage. Do you see what I'm saying? So it should be a mandatory protocol. They should get pulled from the line the same way someone who's designated as urgent, right? Like like if you're triaging. Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's that. I'm just saying, I'm not even saying pull them from the line mandatorily. I'm saying check them mandatorily. Ensure their eyes are good because the if the NFL has a process to know if this guy can get hit again, we, we should have that exact same process. We should know that. Like if they can identify the processes that are either stopping or starting CTE in their football players, then like let's just look at their paperwork and say here's the protocol. If, if, if a Marine came me or any service member came to me and told me something like i'm thinking about killing myself or killing someone else then i have the then uh i guess inherent responsibility right are you a mandatory reporter as a corpsman for something right. like that so I okay have to escalate it to to whoever whoever will be in charge right so perhaps there should be something similar for if i think someone is showing signs of TBI symptoms, if you can define it. Right. Well, and then, then then my next bone would be okay. So that's not mandatory. That's still putting the the onus on the on the line on the corpsman. There, there's got to be an incentive, is or or disincentive, for it to happen. Like for instance, one time, right, I was I was treating another corpsman, and 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 the people there did not want to medevac this corpsman. This was in Marja, mm -hmm. and Lieutenant Emmanuel, you know, he looked at me. He asked. He, he said. Hey, what do you think? And I'm like, no, he, he needs to go like yesterday. And he he then made the call to to medevac him. But you see, there's still that culture, right? So no, I know, I know. I think we got to get past that culture. Right. So then, so then it's even more than that, right? So you got to train these officers. 
There's got to be an incentive, decentive. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. the officer's in charge, right? If the officer's incentivized or disincentivized, right, one way or another, to have to medevac this person for those reasons, then he's going to look out on his behalf to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say the incentive is that's one of your men that's injured more than what you know, and it's not your job to decide how injured he is. It's the corpsman or whatever team it is that, that comes together that says no. Because it's the same in the NFL, right? There's no incentive for, like, let's say, uh, give me any great quarterback right now. Let's say Joe Burrow on the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no incentive for him to get hurt. There is sometimes maybe a backdrawn incentive or a slight underhand incentive for a Marine to get hurt. If he gets hurt, he gets retired. He retires early. You know, name your on and on. Right, but so the incentive for the commander would be that, like, you don't have a Marine, you know, um, I don't know, kill himself in five years or, uh, you know, suffer from injuries that he didn't know. They're not thinking about that at the time anyways. They're thinking about the mission because it's mission men. Maybe automatic break time. (laughs) Now, we had a little bit of that. I mean, think about after uh, Sergeant Hine. uh, He got his head spun. He went up north, left the, you know, the remainder of the deployment to, to remain, you know, concussion free. So there was a little bit of that. Uh, Sergeant Lewis as well, when he got his bell rung on that uh, culvert, rocked. he got rocked by that uh, big jug and he went up north and got, you know, mandated. Hey, you're and see, that's what I think the problem is, though. I think the problem is that it, when you do go get checked out, turns out, that, yeah, it only takes one ID or 182 or one you know, javelin rocket real close or one controlled debt just a bit too close. And those shock waves are going through that brain and just boom, boom, boom. They're damaging these, you know, the chemistry between the cells. It's the, what was that Dr. Brandeis was talking mm-hmm. about? Yep. Uh, dislodging connections and there's your memory and just different things. So I agree with you that more work needs to be done, right? And mm. and it would help a great deal if, if the corpsman on the line could detect in mm. medical because of it, right? Just you know, freely without without fearing repercussion from the other Marines. Like, hey, why are you sending them home, right? Because as a corpsman, you get to deal with that too. You get you, you get Marines that are looking for an excuse to go home, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if if, if I start medevacing Marines, we're out of Marines. <laughs> That's my point. That's true. Yeah. Then you got to fight the war all by your by yourself, there, Navy. <laughs> yeah, do shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Nut up, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's move past it. So, um, what are we on day two? <laughs> that was a deep dive. <laughs> took a took a little deeper dive there than I had intended. <laughs> uh, not true. I think I think light needs to come to that situation. So, exactly. Um, so let's push on. We we finally get into Marja. We we kind of s- got our foothold that second day or that first night. Going into the second day was a real fight. We're kind of pushing over there to help Neff's guys. What do you remember about that time? So, you know, it, it's difficult for me to follow the timeline uh, that way, right, uh, just because it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can tell you from, from the first ambush, uh, when we were leaving the guy who offered us shy, you guys remember that? Uh-uh. Anyway, I remember a few boots were very excited because they got to drink fucking shit. <laughs> Something other than water. And they got diarrhea. I found out because they came to me because they had diarrhea. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> we were crossing, and uh, I remember we, we were all in a straight line, and, and, and it felt like an eternity fucking went by. Uh, and uh, 
I think someone at the house, the guy who was hosting us, told us that there was Taliban over there at that house, or, or that flag meant that there was Taliban. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wright asked to get the rockets ready. I remember that. Um, I don't know who he asked. I was, I was more like in the middle. Then out of nowhere, uh, we just got blasted, just small arms fires. Uh, I remember two rockets went right above us um, that it fucking felt really close. <laughs> <laughs> Too close for and, comfort. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was the first time I fired my weapon. I actually, I was on the prone. I fired the weapon at the noise because I couldn't really fucking see. Um, and then I remember Corporal Russ ran behind me. Um, and and then Hackbarth, I think he, he was already inside, but he left his bags outside. Uh, so I, I think I went in the first squad in there. Okay, um, okay. And so we just ran in there, and um, and we basically, it was a firefight all day, I remember. No <laughs> one um, got hurt. Mm-hmm. Big ass bomb. I think it was a 500 pound bomb. Oh, that's bomb. day one, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, 500 pound bomb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, oh, right before the bomb, uh, Hackbarth, uh, someone, someone else from first squad, I can't remember. Uh, Staff Sergeant Wright was getting us to get the freaking place. And and right when we were about to leave the building, go flank, they call in that the bomb was coming in. Yeah. And that one came back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're like halfway to Staff Sergeant Wright, come back. <laughs> yeah, there's a video of it on YouTube where uh, it's called The First Hours of Mars. Yeah. You've seen it. And E-Man's like, no, don't fire at the at, at the yellow the place with the yellow gate. That's friendlies. Like, hmm, that's where yeah, we're about to drop that bomb. You better pull them back. Because <laughs> Wright called a whole bunch of times, and I guess it wasn't getting okayed until later. Yeah. Yeah, mm. wild. Now, what do you remember about, um, so the following day, we kind of, we kind of get into it, and then that night we bed down at that place with the corral. I don't know if you remember that or not. It had like the little circus tent corral thing, animal thing. We might have called it the Alamo. The Alamo is where the water got Fucking dropped off. Shit. Yeah, real cold. <laughs> Two, three in the morning, right above us, and then they fucking went like five hundred meters out. We had to go get it in the morning. Yep, that place. <laughs> it was freezing when we got there you know where we all bodied up to uh snuggle real closely to pass the night yeah and uh and i like two in the morning fucking hilo is like hovering above us like he's getting ready to drop the stuff and i just see staff on right like no not right here not <laughs> <laughs> like that way. and 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 he went fucking way out there uh i don't know if you guys remember we oh like, intimately <laughs> typical so pilot. radio radio came to me that morning i think his foot was frozen uh, you say frozen or broken i was frozen say what would you say he well, came he, to you about his foot yeah he was complaining that his foot was frozen he, he claimed that he had frostbite he couldn't feel anything so uh, i could believe it radio oh you, you guys remember there was like this uh, hole in the lot, and there was like, I don't know, there was like a tent over it. Is that the place you described? Yeah, 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 yeah. Corral. Not the room, not the room itself, but the, the tent. In yeah, 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 yeah. I think radio and a few other movies laid down there because they were like freezing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I got to treat them, and then we went out, got food, came back, uh, and and I remember. Uh, so my arm was frozen too, and. I just remember feeling miserable. 
Like yeah, I didn't see hypothermia being one of those things that we would have to face. I was wrong about that. All right, so let's talk. Uh, let's let's keep moving forward. We've talked a little bit about day one, day two. You remember the um, day two? We're assaulting the machine gun bunkers. Mm -mm. Uh, it was day three. Day three. I mean, day three assaulting the machine gun bunkers. That would have been uh, a little bit beef. That would have been a little bit after Alamo stuff. So we're kind of jumping around, but. Uh, uh, well, basically, where, where we consolidated. Yeah, yeah. What do you got from that day? Because so, I know that... Uh, did you help with the ANA commander on that day? Yeah, I treated the ANA commander. Yeah, I want to talk about that because that happened right beside me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I seen his boots come up. We were running to get to that little, that little fighting position. That was in front yeah, yeah, yeah. of the compound we started in. Yep, yep, yep. And I don't remember how close I was to him, but in my mind, it's like in, ingrained because he took one right to the face. Wow. And his, like, his yeah. legs came off, came off the ground kind of like. I'm, he wasn't a commander. He was a first sergeant. Com oh, no. The first sergeant was the PKM guy. Yeah, that's who it was. Commander. I ran him back. Oh, yeah. He ran him back. Okay, so I'll take <laughs> your word on it. It was one of the upper echelons yes. of the ANA Kandak. So what do you remember about that? So, so I remember, you sure, man? Because I remember. I'm not sure. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys were coming out the compound, right? The um, courtyard, yeah. What was it? Like the courtyard. You know, we had a compound inside the courtyard. We were exiting, like exfilling the courtyard to get to a fighting position in front of those bunkers. Right, right. Yeah. So from my view, I, I just saw the compound. You were leaving the compound. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so as you're leaving, I'm like, ah, oh, great. I get to go take a shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go. You said, I haven't taken a shit in three days. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> we all had that thought at some point, I think. Yes. Like it's, it's down time for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, hey. Best wishes. Let me go, right? Go. <laughs> Best wishes. <laughs> Been waiting on this moment for a minute. Give him hell, boys. <laughs> so, yeah, I go, I go do that. And as soon as I'm pulling my pants down, I hear Corman up. Shit, got serious, right? And, and, like, I'm trying to process. Like, are they fucking with me? Yeah. <laughs> they knew I needed to shit. <laughs> but I, I I hear it again and again and again and it got loudest so I fucking pull my pants up, I run up to the where Staff Sunrite was. Uh, he tells me the A and A commander just got shot in the face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's that's how he puts it. And I'm like, All right. He's like, Well, let's go. Fix like, it. Right. So I, <laughs> I go gear up, I come back. He's like, all right, Doc, just stay by my waist. So he goes up to the, the first uh, thing, fence. I want to call it fence, right? The wall, yeah. He, the wall. Thank you. It's a wall. Thank it's you. a wall. Yeah, that wall was about <laughs> as big as the TV it. monitor I'm watching he, your face he on. walks over it, like takes us one giant step over it. I have to fucking crawl <laughs> <laughs> Like, wait, Staff Sergeant. <laughs> wait for me. I got little legs. <laughs> He has to stop and look back and like wait and like <laughs> and I get there and he's like, Are you ready? 
but then we were at the corner of the building. Yeah. He shows me where the where the AMA commander is. Uh, and he says, I think he yells at like a line of Marines to fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, like yeah. Bunker, right? And uh, he gives them the order. He looks at me. He says, go. I fucking get out to the commander. I get there. I go on a knee and I start treating the, the guy. And then Gunny. <laughs> Mac. The gunny looks like, he's like, hey, Doug, you want to get your fucking shit? Shut up. <laughs> 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 yeah, because the entire uh, company uh, company staff was up on that wall. Yeah, I remember. I was worried that we were going to get yelled at for not having shaves. Yeah. Turned out they were cool with it. Dude, yeah, so you guys I drag him back, back, right? I, I started treating the commander, and I fucking see that his ear is coming out of his ear. It's like, it's like just stuff out of his ear. So I grab it, I push it back, and stuff it like real good. Make sure it's all back in there. And he, his, his, where the bullet wound was, uh, dude, it was like, it was like if you got burned with a cigarette, like, yep. it's it so small. I remember. And as it went in, it like dried up everything because there was no blood coming out, uh, when I saw him, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he wasn't oriented. Right. So then I, I think staff sergeant sent me with three other Marines or Either that or the three Marines that were there, laying there came back with me and carried him. Mm. Uh, what do you remember? Y'all called for stretcher bearers. Me and Wetzel ran out there with a stretcher. There you go. That's what I remember. Because I remember getting up on the wall and then somebody, might have been you, looked at me and Wetzel and was like, he doesn't want to get on the stretcher. I was like, well, what are we doing here on this little ass wall? Because there was that wall was very, 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 small. very small. Yeah. I mean, like shin and knee high. Yeah. Well, like waist high for you. And there but. was very little real estate left on the wall from all the Marines it that was. were already up there. Yeah. There was nothing left. So then I was like, well, if he's going to run, tell him to run his ass off. No. So, so four Marines that were there because each one carried them by the extremity, picked them up. And then I went okay. out and leave. I, I stopped halfway and I shot back. Also, they came behind me. I came in with them and then. Who, who was in second squad? Uh, That's all of us. That's yeah. all our guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Name me uh, team leads. Uh, me? It was Charette. And Charette Bennett. and Jesse Bennett. Jesse Bennett. I think Bennett was was either by the hay or someone said put him by the hay. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I don't know, but we, we laid him down on the hay and started treating him. I put an IV on him, uh, called the nine line, and... They came really fast. I remember that. Like, I, it felt to me really fast. Mm -hmm, but uh, mm -hmm. he was all. Uh, well, Big was Whiskey was. Big Whiskey was already spinning up the nine line whenever you ran out there. Mm -hmm. So he just needed like, hey, what's his status? That's all he needed. To Shot do. in the face, sir. Yeah, I mean, he kind of knew. That dude came back though. You yeah. remember that? He came back to the fight very shortly after that. The very next day, the BC came out. And, and said, like, hi to me. And shook my hand. Like, hey, great job. I want you to know he made it out. The IC, he was in ICU in Germany. He made it. He made it through surgery and all that. So, fucking, I mean, shit. He, he, he was alert, but he wasn't oriented. Yeah. But then it was difficult for me because I had to go through through the tank. You know, like, so right. sometimes yeah. I tell tank, like, like, is he okay? And then tank's like, yeah, he's having a good day. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, he's not having a good day. Not a good day. He just took a seven six two millimeter round of the faceplate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's little, but but uh, I think I think 
I think we worked really good that day. Like I think as a from from the from Coleman side, like like the Marines were ready to. A hundred percent, dude. And, and we did have uh, we did have air all over us, so it was like they would drop down in minutes. Um, that was the most support I've ever seen in any campaign ever that I was affiliated with. But yeah, they dropped down in minutes. As soon as the nine line was up, they had escorts coming in and birds coming down. Yeah, so it was a I good think time. It was PJ that came out on the chopper. Not Crazy. surprising. Crazy dude. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now let's fast forward to the twenty first. Mm. We secure footholds. We're kind of fighting the area. Some uh, heavy equipment comes in to build us a cop. They engage a fighter one night. My squad does the react uh, patrol up there. You know, battle damage assessment, checking weapons and intel. We basically plan a mission for the next morning off of some of the intel we got up there. And then my squad and Heinz squad, you, Big Whiskey, E-Man, we all kind of launch off on an assault on that little interconnected village, uh, you know, up above, up above the, you know, the radio tower area, you know what I'm talking about. So um, let's get into that, your view. Yeah, man. Uh, that day was crazy, dude. That day was... A I was by the canal when uh, when we all stopped and, and we were ambushed. Mm. Uh, ran into the first compound and I mean, I just remember bullets flying all day. Uh, so from there, it's, from my view, it was uh, watch the detainees while the Marines did their thing. Um, then, hey, doc, we're moving. Okay, leave them. You know, go. Um, <sighs> I think uh, we might have gone from one compound to the next compound, and, and it was long fields that we had to run through, mm -hmm. uh, right? Chisel plowed um, fields, yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, it, it, and I remember we were doing it like two or three at a time. Um, one time it was uh, staff sergeant right, I and Tank, the interpreter, and uh, <clears throat> Tank was behind me, so I was in the middle, and we were running, and Tank starts passing me. And I'm like, fuck shit. <laughs> Tank was more scared than you were. Yes. The bullets fell so close that day. Oh, my God. Especially uh, in those fields, I'm sure. Oh, man. So we got to the second compound, and I think they, they, they on the radio, uh, they say Sarnheim was hit. That was the purple and smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hi, hi, just being hit, and I'm like, all right, let's let's go again. So we run across the field, we get to high. High's purple, just from fucking. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the door, just greeting us, like as we come in. He's like, hey, it was just a grenade. He's just like laugh at this point. It was just a grenade. <laughs> the best hit ever. Well, we saw it from up there, and I was like, why is someone marking with purple smoke? Yeah, from our vantage point, it's like we looked down into the field at one point, and you guys are like, kind of like getting after it, right? And uh, mm -hmm. and we're like, ooh, they're really in it. And we're trying to scan like the buildings to find and fix whoever's shooting on you. And then the next second, you know, you look down there, and like there's just smoke everywhere, like running in a circle. <laughs> and 
<laughs> you hear hide on the radio, and it's like, what in the actual fuck is going on down what there? What does a purple smoke in a circle mean? <laughs> I missed I miss this on the signal plan. No, it wasn't funny. It was no, like, it that's how close time, he was but... to losing his hip, you know, his hip and girdle yeah. area was a couple inches away from that. That was in his drop pouch, right? Yep. It's funny now. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's funny now. That day I mean, was different emotion. Really yeah. Cool, yeah. I mean, but he had, you know, he was just laughing at it. So we come in. And maybe, like, I think, I think Froder comes in. And, and, and then behind him is Hanson. Mm-hmm. And then, so Froder comes in. Hanson, Hanson's like a good, I don't know, 10, 20 meters away. And he starts yelling, I'm hit. I'm hit. Um, As he's running. Yeah, but he quickly just falls and stumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all like in shock. Like, what the fuck? What do you mean you hit? Like, what do you need? Like, fuck? What do you? You're out of ammo. Like, what? Like, we didn't. We we didn't want to process. Right. I'm um, hit. We just. And then, like, I from my point of view, I looked on the side, and, and he was on the ground. And I'm like, what the fuck's he doing taking a nap? <laughs> like, like, why would he be? And I just, I look back. Uh, I think Frodo was behind me. And I think Akbar was there too. I just fucking sprinted out. I grab him. I pull him. And I remember his weight. He weighed so much that the first time I pulled him, I fell back. Like, I lost grip. So I started doing the tactical, like, lay prone and put him on the hook and try to use my whole body. And I did that. And then I felt hands trying to grab me and pull me. And, and I, again, like the people I saw there was Froder and Hackbarth and Tank. <laughs> Tank was, <laughs> hey, Froder, uh, Fowler, his state of mind, Tank's state of mind from beginning to. Mm-hmm, yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, so we, we managed to pull Hag, uh, Hansen inside. And uh, he's just letting me know he's very thirsty. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm looking at his face and. Uh, he's looking pale by the second. Um, I start doing this, the, the check around, uh, going underneath, check for any blood. Um, I don't see anything. I, I keep asking, what do you mean? It's like, I'm hit, hit dog, I'm hit, I'm like, where? Uh, I don't, so I, I start just cutting close off, taking close off uh, until uh, I get to his hip and I see uh, a very small wound again. Uh, again, the size of a cigarette, maybe. Again, dry. Uh, right, so. <clears throat> I, I quickly turn him around. I'm looking for an exit. I'm looking for somewhere to patch. Looking for somewhere to work. I'm telling myself there's got to be blood coming out somewhere, right? Uh, but I don't fucking see anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I check him up and down. I don't see anything. Um, uh, now, now he's telling me he's thirsty. I'm really thirsty. I'm thirsty. Um, I, I think I think Froder gave him some water or Akbar. Uh, they started choking on the water, so so he sees that, and uh, so like I couldn't feel a pulse, right? I couldn't feel a pulse, and uh, and uh, right, he's looking at me, and he's he, he's looking for an answer for the nine line, right? For what? And I'm like. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to feel pulse so bad, right? But so, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm realizing 
it's bleeding out. Um, but if I, if I logic, if I put fluids in, he might bleed out fast, right? Mm-hmm. But I, but then I'm thinking, well, all his like, what if the chopper gets in here? Like, but then I'm like, no, I just call that off. I'm like, no, there's got to be a false, right? So I, I take up, like, I, 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 I took off the stoves real good. I start looking. I start, uh, he's, he was still breathing, like, very, very slightly. So I give him quick breaths, uh, two or three. I see his chest open up. Uh, you know, I try again. Um, and I think, I don't know how much time by. And I'm checking for a pulse. I feel a pulse. Like, very, very slow. I feel the pulse. I, I get back to right. I'm like, right, he's got a pulse. Right, like get that fucking bird. <laughs> bird turns around. He comes back. Uh, we we stretch him to the to the bird, uh, and and I couldn't I couldn't get I couldn't, so when I saw the bird coming in, I wanted to get a line in, uh, but I couldn't get a vein. I couldn't get anything, mm-hmm. uh, and everything collapsed on me. Uh, I tried like fucking 10, 12, fucking 15 different needles. I just kept going in gauges. I couldn't get anything. Um, but yeah, he got on the bird. And, um, as far as I knew, he still had a shot, right? Yeah, man, that was tough, dude. Like at the time, we didn't we didn't think like, you know, we, we thought, oh, he's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Let's, let's go get whatever did this. Let's fucking go, <laughs> you know? And uh, and I just remember we were moving really fast, like we were just on a mission. Um, yeah. And, and you know, and I mentioned Tank a lot, and Tank helped out a great deal. He's the one that helped Hanson's yeah. legs the whole time. Um, and, and just everyone around, everyone around. Oh my God, we. I think we bonded really, really tight after that. <clears throat> we were, we learned something that day, you know, that we weren't invincible. And I think that up until that point, we thought we were invincible. Even though the Vocolo got hit, he was through and through and he was okay. It was like, cool, let's make him pay for it, you know. And then when Courier got hit, it was like we knew the company wasn't invincible, but we didn't know a about our platoon not and then that day it's just humbling you know it's a humbling thing and then everything hits different after that you know every hug every mission every you know smoke pit conversation it just hits different so that's where that tightness starts because it's like we're in a pit position where i only have you and you only have me and at that point we still only about 50 percent if we do it right like that's how bad the situation is so and that was a hard day. I, every time I, you know, we work through it, either me, Matt, me, Joey, you know, we've worked through it with a lot of people, but that's not an easy thing. And, uh, and I think, you you know, we did everything we could do. You did everything you could do. And, 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 you know, the motto or the statement sometimes that's made in the line is like, if you get them on the bird alive, it's like a really high percentage chance they make it. You get them like the, what the golden hour, right? You get them to a next next level of care within an hour, you know. And and that day just wasn't on our side. So, how did that affect you 
going forward? Dude, it's, it's hard, man. It's weird. It's very weird. Uh, I think as a corpsman, uh, I mean, if you really own up to the job, I think from the beginning you, you accept that that's a possibility. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's a very, like, emotionally detached way of thinking about it. Um, as professionals, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, healthcare industry, we're, we're told to, to be careful with the words we use. We don't want to provide false hope. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, and so that, that me helped me in dealing with it. I just shut it off, man. Like I just shut off emotions. I just completely detached myself from the situation. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, what's after that? Like, um, Hanson humbled us. Um, And after that, we kind of move into a different battle rhythm. You know, it's kind of like a 10 days on post, 10 days on patrol, 10 days on react. And kind of moved like that for the rest of the deployment, you know, after we got out, e- out east of Hanson. So um, what's your SIG events and what's your takeaways, big fights, big things that stick out to you for the rest of the time? Because, I mean, it's just so, you know, I think we've kind of beat the story to death for people that have been watching. But people that haven't, like it was a raunchy fight almost always. Um, gunfights literally every day, sometimes multiple hours, uh, sometimes half a day, all day going into, you know, the nighttime. So, um, you know, as a, as the corpsman, what's your, what's your take? What's your, what's your memories? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So after that, um, it was, it was definitely a lot less kinetic for a little bit, right? Like, like I think we, we were looking out for, for that base that we're building, like Hanson and the extension. Yep. What yep. was that called? Three points? No. Or no. Five points. Five points. Yeah. But Camp Hansen, and then there were, originally it was Camp Allen. Yeah, originally. But they, it so, was like battalion, and then there was the little Ancop base, which we were occupying in the beginning. Yeah. I think we so, wanted to call it Outcast, but they wouldn't let us. Yeah. Remember? They wouldn't let us. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should have been. I, I got to be by the radio a lot, so I got to hear a lot of the comp. Uh, I wasn't part of any, just listening. Yeah. Uh, I, I was terrified of call, man. I never wanted to go on call. I, I thought it was fucking scary, man. So hold on. I, I, ha- I have a new theory. Docs could also be a part of the Lance Corporal Underground to where information <laughs> yeah. gets released. 100%. In the 100%. <laughs> if anybody's heard the broke, you'll know what I'm talking about, so go buy it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, so it was a lot of uh, treating heat injuries. Uh, a lot of the ANA refused to drink water. And uh, they will get like heat exhaustion. They'll start having seizures. Um, so I treat a couple of ANA for that. Uh, I think one of the ANCOP, right, uh, the police, yep. right, it, uh, one of the top people there was shot in the face, in the face, in the chest, had a hole on the chest. Uh-huh. So it, like changing the bandaging for them they was doing like little uh, medical things or like like routine follow-up care that you could do right at a clinic mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. would do with the with the marines and the ana <clears throat> so a lot of like headaches uh we would resupply sometimes right we'll get on the trucks and go out to resupply some other places yeah so that's the story about medevac and the other corpsman the other corpsman was the corpsman at the other site and mm-hmm. so they wouldn't let him leave and that's how lieutenant manny got involved 
<clears throat> so resupplying them medically. So it was it was a lot of medical. It was a lot of uh, taking care of uh, uh, followers and Feliano's evaluations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and ranking them accordingly and doing their write-ups and, and just a lot of administration things. Basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we, we also did that program where gave people fertilizer. Yep. yep, that was the CAG ops, yep. So I remember one one time I had a, a, so anytime they were hurt, they would come up to the front and they would bring them up to appointment. So one time there was a kid who like his, like fingers were missing. Um, yep. And because I think he was trying to plant an ID or at least that was the story. He was being was forced to plant an ID. I remember, I remember what you're talking about. So, so it was a lot of Corman stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the BAS, we had a, a like a Corman schedule, right? So there was times where like Kilo, second Corman would come in and stand guard or duty yep. at, at the BAS. Um, so we did that. That was our, basically uh, our work. Um, but the, until we moved to Riley. Uh, right, right. That's when uh, we started going to the OPs, right? Um, yep. So I, I had OP1. Who's that? It wasn't a lot of conflict. JT? JT. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. You had a nice a OP. That was a nice OP. Yeah. It was just really far. It was the best. Yeah. But it was just really far. <laughs> yeah, it was it was far. You paid, you paid, you paid with you paid for that nice. We didn't have nice a roof on the, on the Cadillacs. Yeah, we didn't have a roof, but it was a shorter walk. <laughs> Not that much shorter. Much much less defendable for a shorter walk by about six hundred meters. Joey had two stories, so I mean, really. Oh uh, yeah, kinda. Didn't you have two stories? No, my bad. One story. Someone had one story. story. What's uh? Tell me something from the OPs out there with uh with with JT. Um, because I didn't ever operate it out there too much, honestly, ever. We did that one time where we got dropped off in trucks where there was a platoon. Or yeah, it was one, know, once yeah. one of the other platoon squads, and we went down south and did some stuff. It and was come back. It was wild. Such a different fight depending on who you fought with mm-hmm. or where you were at. So at the beginning, we had a pretty big radius. Like we would go out pretty far. We would go south, even further uh, west, or was it east? East, east, and then you know north. But I think recon came, um, and they took the south, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was OP one had a checkpoint, I think, also that they manned uh, from OP one, and uh, we we had a dog. His name was Kobe. We named him. Yeah. Uh, wild dog or like a bomb dog? <laughs> Say what? Was it a wild dog or a bomb dog? No, no, it was a, it was a wild dog. Oh, okay. Check. And and and, and, I'm, and I'm telling you this why because it was problematic when recon dog came. So <laughs> so recon brought a fucking German shepherd. They didn't like this motherfucker, and we had to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> Damn it! Recon gets everything. Yeah, uh, Gatorade, potato chips. You know what they, you know what they didn't have, wag bags, because they stayed at OP two with us, and they didn't have no wag bags. I ran out of wag bags, so it was like, there was multiple users per wag bag for a couple of days. Uh, I was just digging holes in the sand, dude. I was like, fuck that. But you know what they did have suppressors for their saws. They did have that, which is pretty legit. I think I think the <laughs> infantry line now all has probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Them, yeah, I'm sure. Not us. We didn't have that. What else? What else from then? 
I think it was it was pretty safe in, yeah. in the regard. It wasn't very kinetic. I think we had a couple rounds fired at us, um, but it just hit the walls and then we went out on patrol and we didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just there was a lot of fucking canals that sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing the patrols. Um, oh, uh, like e IDs that we thought were planted where we'd go check out sites. Mm-hmm. I think the site where the missile came in and hit the, the two guys on the motorcycle. I think we went out and checked that out. I think that was one of, of um oh, but it would say that again. There was like a missile that struck one of the guys or two guys that were on a moped. Straight north of High Mar, yeah. No no no. Hellfire. I think oh yeah, Hellfire from a predator, wasn't it? Yeah. It was UAS Hellfire. Yeah, it was on Route Taunt or something. The one but. that leads directly north from out of Cop Riley. So uh, out of five points. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was like, it was like dark. I didn't realize right? So he rolled with us? Yeah, he had to if we were okay. a React squad that day. I, I remember going out and like we went into like this house that was next to the road. Yep. We stayed a little Was there a canal on the other side of the road? Yep. yep. That's yep. it. Yep. It was like one of the better roads. I mean, I wouldn't technically call that a road. It wasn't after the Hellfire hit it, I can tell you that. Yeah. There was a rather large hole in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy day, too. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy it, day. Yeah. Yeah. And then we controlled deaded that thing from way too mm-hmm. close of a distance. Hey, had to far but side. Was, yeah, had I mean, to far side. Anyway, near side yeah, that was a wild time. <clears throat> I think, um, yeah, I mean... Like, we weren't really doing much other than manning the OPs and, and Cop Riley for a little bit. Like, and then we started pushing out. Mm-hmm. But, but I think during that time, we, we really didn't see anything. Um, um, who was it that lost the gear and had to go outside Cop hmm. Riley to like, look for it? <laughs> was that me? Probably. Talking about metal detector? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't want to say any names, but I think it was you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We got fully enveloped. <laughs> we got fully enveloped by the enemy that day, and denied it's, it, air. It's a long story. And denied smoke. And denied some other things. So, yeah, we lost a piece of gear in a canal. Yeah. It was a bad day yeah. too. Thanks for bringing that up, man. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> Bro, we had so many close calls down there, though. Else. We had something else because someone else had to go look for this stuff i think were you on qrf or I don't, we, oh no we, i was on patrol came back got an no, ass chew and, and got sent back down there unless, unless this isn't us this might not be us because i don't think he would have stayed with staff sergeant fowler would have been on with us yeah because we were the only squad from second platoon in cop riley five points at that point yeah you would yeah, he's right. It would have been some. Unless would have been something else. For some reason, something got shuffled around, and he came with Lieutenant Emanuel just because. I don't Doesn't know. Matter. Doesn't matter. We don't talk about the eight six. That's all I'm saying. What it, what happened on the eight six that day stays on the eight six. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things didn't get crazy again until the, like the end when we, when we were. You mean out. you mean the five day war? Yeah. Crazy when, for who? We, I felt like I felt like we had a lot of craziness and. In between a lot of that, yeah, I, that's what I say. I guess it just depends on who's going out with who on what day, yeah. for yeah. what missions. It was a wild time, but the five day war was, was freaking crazy. Was, uh, there was a there was a lot of missions that felt like there was a lot of like anxiety, like oh shit's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you start your deployment, 
Like you, like you start your deployment dropping in in helos in the middle of a damn city, a Taliban stronghold. I mean, you're always going to have anxiety when you're out on patrol. I mean, <laughs> your baseline is set so high that we go out to like areas that we probably never been before, and if it just felt like, like oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we would be more tactical than not. Yeah, less complacent. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, wild. So we're gonna get a little bit further now, I guess. Um, what? Where do you go after we come home? Did you go back on two? No. So after that, I went with the division, division surgeon's office. So I was okay. in uh, King Rajun. Okay. Out where like the the flag building where the general is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was, so the, the chief, 3-6 chief, went there, and there was a E-4 opening. So he asked me, and I was like, yeah. So, because a lot of you fuckers were leaving, too. So it's like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be that cool again. <laughs> Let's get comfy. Hey, no, so what do you do over there, though? Like, what's your job over there? So 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 when I was over there, I was, uh. A lot of apps. So I handle all the database for all the Navy sailors. Like all the all the all the Navy sailors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the corpsmen sailors. All the corpsmen. Yeah, yeah. So basically, all all I had like twelve hundred sailors on that list, and I had everything. So anytime uh, there was deployments coming up, they would look at that roster to see what corpsmen were coming up for deployment. Uh, yeah. And so they would, and I would onboard all the new corpsmen. So I would go to FMTV. I would meet all the new grads. So later, I was the one telling them, like, hey, you're going yeah, to yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what I did there. That's cool. You enjoyed and it? Oh, man, it was, it was awesome. Like, yeah. being in the military and having that, it was, it was like being a secretary, a civilian secretary. Yeah, I had a PT in the morning, but I ran PT. Right. Like, like dude. <laughs> it's different when you're running it, huh? Oh, man. I was I was skating. I was yeah, doing some, some really nice skating. Now where you go? Awesome. Well, what do you do from there? And you get out after that, or do? You... So <clears throat> they uh, there was an opportunity to take orders to uh, to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There's okay. A okay. Okay. Here. Right uh, out of Boston. That's right. And I grew up in Boston, so uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was an hour commute, so I moved to Boston while commuting to the base. Yeah. I fucking hated it, man. Like. It was like it was going blue side completely, entirely. So it, it was like so much red tape. And yeah, yeah, bureaucracy. It was it was a lot of fat <laughs> leadership that wanted us to PT. It was that type. It was yeah. like if you're not showing up to the breakfast in the morning, if you're not making cookies Friday afternoon or making, you're not gonna get a good event. Like it was that type. I couldn't wait to get out. So that when the opportunity came for for me to leave, like. My DD-214, please. Do you uh, think you would have still gotten out if it hadn't been for that leadership? Like, if you had better leadership? Oh, 100%, man. Um, dude, like, I had... I gotta say, I was I was privileged in the sense that because of the leadership I had, I was always placing a great opportunity to make rank. I didn't make rank because I didn't want to. But I, I always had the 4.0 eval. I always had, like, the... You know... A junior sailor of the quarter or whatever uh, merit, and so 
I was just a rebel, man. I didn't know what I wanted either. So it was it was both ways, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I always knew I wanted to go to college. So if I I saw like, if the military gets in the way of college, then then I, I got to leave the military. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no, you're good. Um, so what college did you go to? So I went to SNHU. Have you guys heard of it? Like yeah, South New South Hampshire, Hampshire University. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, what, you hating on your own school? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like it seems like you're laughing at your own institution, Anderson. So I'm actually looking to go back to school. Yeah, for they have a great online program and they're great to the military. I gotta say that. Oh yeah. Um, so it makes it very easy, very easy to get enrolled because that's one of the hardest steps is to get enrolled. Yeah. And a lot of veterans just fucking get fed up with the because there's a lot of bs and so they make it great and and so uh i went to school for business accounting graduated that and then i went to go work for the state in massachusetts uh as uh i was a state official going around farms looking for uh any evidence of uh violation of like labor laws so i was working for the executive office of labor under the department of labor and it was a lot of meeting uh employees who didn't know their rights and and a lot of these employers bring work from other countries and a thing that they do is they take their passports and they hide it so that the workers can't leave and so this is what like we describe as modern day slavery right and um, and so looking out for that and 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 I did that for a little bit, and then I realized, no, I, if I want to get paid, I got to go back to school and get my MBA. So I went to school, I got to make my MBA in supply chain, and then I started working with pharmaceuticals. So I looped back around to- Back to medicine, company. right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I worked in supply chain quality for pharmaceuticals. I do global external quality, uh, uh, and, and that's what I've been doing, but on and off for, for different companies. So like right now, I'm not working. I'm not, not, not for a company. Right. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing outside of that supplement? So I I, I, I do Airbnb. So if you guys are in Boston, uh, Miami, soon Columbia, Medellin, come, come let me know. <laughs> I should have Airbnbs in these locations. Uh, yeah. I'm happy to host you guys. Heck yeah, dude. Definitely. Definitely. And I want to talk more, you know, offline with you about the Airbnb business. Um, but before we stop, how did you get into that? And, and like... Uh, you know, explain explain why you like it. Ah, uh, why well, I like it is easy. It feels very very natural. Um, so when 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 my parents migrated to the United States, we all lived. Our uncle let us live in his apartment, and we lived in the dining room. We put a curtain, and we lived in the dining room. My mom, my dad, and I. And so from there, my parents managed to get their own apartment. And we also live in the dining room, <laughs> but we rented out the bedroom. Okay. And we started getting income from the bedroom, and that's how we managed to own, we'll rent out an apartment. And my parents just kept scaling. Uh, then they would live in another apartment with two bedrooms, live in the living room, but rent out the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. See a pattern. And then, right. when, you know, we were able to, they, they managed to buy an apartment building. And we lived in one of the units, and they rented out the other units. Um, and I, so, so I was exposed to that since I was a little kid, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it comes very natural. Uh, and I'm okay. And since the military, I'm very okay with not having 
my a home, like a set place where I could sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, after a while, I want a home, but I'm okay with being on the move and just you know not having like a a place where I set like you know home base. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where would you okay. consider your home base right now? Are you more down in Colombia or in the states? No, so home base is still the states because that's where I run the Airbnbs, right? Um, but I I live most of the time here. So I, I live with my girlfriend. We have four dogs, and they're great. Uh, and 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 so I mean, and I I'm from Colombia, uh-huh, so uh-huh. there's that. Uh, I didn't grow up here, so it makes it a little strange. But uh, I don't know. I but I do eventually see myself going back to the states. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where capitalism is. You know, that's where America, man. Uh, yeah. And and for immigrants like who who who. who value entrepreneurship you know america's great in that sense right in the american dream and, and i believe in those things i i personally believe in those things mm-hmm. that's amazing dude i'm so glad that you're doing well it's 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 great to see you and you have my word i'm coming to columbia uh, awesome. I gotta get my passport lined up, but I I'll guess I gotta it. get mine too. Let judging by the look, <laughs> I, I gotta, I, I gotta make it happen. Oh, I want to come see some of that beautiful countryside and some <clears throat> share some of that culture. You know, you travel with the Marine Corps, or the Navy around the world, and not always do you ever, especially not in the infantry, you don't always really get to see the beautiful side of things away from home, uh, the cultures away from home. You just go there and you, you know, you burn everything and and you come home. You don't get to see a whole lot of great things. Um, at least in my time, I want to go see those things. So, yeah, I'm serious about that. And if you got Airbnbs, that's even better. We'll just figure it right out. <laughs> so, please uh, <laughs> figure down. it out. For sure. uh, it'll be awesome to see each other too. I think, dude, um, dude, amazing. This, this has been cool. amazing. Yeah, yep. yeah. This is a great outlet for people. So, thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on and allowing me to use you as an outlet or give the knowledge the stories coming from that specific situation because they should be studied and they should be uh, ready that way they're not uh, caught with their panties down um, the way some other people could be so man I think we've been going for a while now I uh, I'm gonna jump Um, I appreciate you got last parting shots you want to give to the audience man uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, keep doing your thing, man. I think it's great, really. Uh, allow people to tell the story. I think it's awesome for a lot of people because we haven't thought about it in a long time. And, mm. and when we processed it initially, I don't think we were ready maturely to do so. Mm. And many of us are now. So mm-hmm. I think it, it will, it'll maybe tie, tie some loose ends, right? Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Anderson, man, I appreciate it, dude. Brother for always. Doc forever. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Doc. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks for listening to Choices Not Chances podcast. Please share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters, specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal. 
We have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger. We have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah.